and welcome back to Autopsy of a Horror Movie. My name is Brucker, and today I am not joined by Oraline, but I am still joined by a very special guest. I am joined by the founder and editor-in-chief of the website HorrorPress, HorrorPress.com. Hello, James Michael. How are you doing? Thank you so much for coming on the show. I think you're mistaken. This is Oraline. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Brucker. How are you? I'm doing well, and uh, it's uh, it's after work. It's Monday. I'm enjoying a beer, talking with you, talking horror. We're talking about Scream 6 today. This is a rapid review of the very new uh, installment to the famous Scream franchise. I'm very excited to talk about that. And finally, get you on the show. We've been circling each other for months. I know. It's such a long time coming. It's so crazy to like see behind the scenes and hear... Not in my car, your opening intro. <laughs> well, thanks for that. And in case people didn't know, um, James Michael does host a podcast over at horrorpress.com. And I've uh, guest featured on there a couple of times. And hopefully we'll do some more in the future. We've talked about horror news and all sorts of other things. If people want to check out the Horror Press podcast. Um, but yeah, James thanks Michael. For that this is your first time on here. I've been, I know we've been talking about for a while to get you on here because we, you and I, we were just talking shit for like a half hour before we hit record. Um, and I, I really enjoy talking to you about horror and, you know, I really enjoy your website and the vision you've had for it and everything. Uh, you've been super cool. We met, I think on Twitter was how we met. I think that's how Instagram. we started each other. It was Instagram. I found yeah. Horror Press first on Twitter, and then I followed you on Instagram and hit you up there, I think. But um, HorrorPress.com, before we get into Scream, I just want to you know, g- give you a platform to talk about a little bit. What, what made you want to start Horror Press? Well, it's kind of a long story, but not really. Uh, well, during COVID, I just decided to create something that housed voices that I myself resonated with that I didn't get to see often online. And at first, I thought it would be too much of an undertaking. And I don't know, at some point, I just had a manic episode and it took off. And here we are, a year plus later. Um, I think in January, we we hit like 220 plus articles. And we have like this really cool group of about eight writers that I work with regularly. And we do our best to just churn out fun articles that we think horror fans would enjoy that's awesome and i really do enjoy the writers um i you know i message them you know on the side occasionally just telling you i was messaging one of the writers alex we were talking about scream six uh throughout the day today uh tiffany's always doing good stuff over there too um you know it's it's a really fun group of people that you've uh curated over there over at horror press yeah part of the hardest part for me was sifting through like the hordes of applicants um when i first put out the call because i really wanted to find the right people that i felt were a perfect fit and it took so much time i think the first time i put out a call for raiders i was sifting through i don't know i think the first weekend it was almost 200 applicants and I was so overwhelmed. Um, literally, I was just sitting there with my bowl of snacks, reading <laughs> what felt like hundreds of applications. Um, but in the end, I, I feel like I really did settle on a really good group of of people that really I resonate with. Ultimately, 
So for horror, um, was there is there any reason why you've always liked the genre, or is there like anything that like really got you into the genre of horror? That's really hard to answer because as a child, um, I was left alone a lot, <laughs> and um, I had this neighbor who was also left alone a lot, and we would literally just sit in her basement, and her parents must have like recorded tons and tons and tons of things on their vhs and we would just sit there and we would watch these bootleg vhs tapes and i think the first one we ever watched together was evil dead oh nice i I think it was actually evil dead 2 i I don't know i was like four or five and um, whoa (laughs) (laughs) yes um and we would just sit there and watch these crazy horror movies. I, I think the second one actually we watched after Evil Dead was The People Under the Stairs. And oh. I just really related to these underdog characters and the villains, the outsiders. I loved Roach. For, I, don't, I don't know if you've seen the, the People Under the Stairs, but Roach was this really cool character that had his tongue cut out. And um, I just grew very fond of these spooky, scary themes, and I just grew up with it with me and my neighbor. That's kind of cool, and also like kind of wholesome too, just bo- two kids bonding over their kid, their parents' bootleg <laughs> videos. <laughs> Literally, it was always just random VHS tapes. I think another one was Interview with a Vampire, and for whatever reason, Evil Dead wasn't that terrifying to me, but the scene in Interview with a Vampire when Lestat gets his throat slit and the blood goes everywhere terrified me as a child i mean of course i was like five why wouldn't i be terrified but i don't think i've ever seen anything like that before and i was horrified for the longest time that's so funny i think like when i was a kid my dad let me watch like anything and everything because he was just like you know fuck the kid shit i'm watching adult stuff and you know you could hang or you go play and I remember, like, you know, I would watch things like Predator with him, Terminator, Terminator 2, um, things like that. And I, you were talking about the, the slit throat uh, kind of freaking you out as a kid. All those things I just mentioned did not freak me out. But he was watching Alien one day and the chest burst scene I, like, walked in on. And that freaked i literally hid behind the couch (laughs) that freaked me out as a kid that's a freaky scene of course it would (laughs) so um today we are discussing scream six of course and um are are, are you a fan of the franchise of scream you know how what what's what's your relationship with scream i really do have a a super fondness for scream um it was probably the first horror movie of our generation that we really got to see grow and um i remember tricking my grandmother into taking me to see scream Um, my grandmother didn't really speak too much english so i told her it was a disney movie and she believed me (laughs) (laughs) so we wound up uh seeing scream and um she she was actually like a trooper she would enjoy scary movies and sometimes we'd watch them together late at night um so even though i was able to trick her into seeing scream with me she did enjoy it oh that's actually kind of really funny that's really that's 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 hilarious that you tricked your grandmother and telling her that's a disney movie um she i don't know if she just played dumb because there must have been points like in 1996 for her to realize that this was not a disney movie 
mm-hmm. she just played along with it? I don't know. Because I'm pretty sure... I mean, the trailers alone, she should have realized, but... I mean, she took me, and she liked it, too. Ghostface is a is a Disney princess? That's funny. <laughs> Sydney is. Yes, of course. Um... <laughs> Um, so people that listen to, to me know, I I love scream. It's my favorite horror movie. One of my favorite movies ever. I have a long, um, I have a very deep love and connection to the franchise. And, um, I am one of those people that believes that, you know, this really should have just been a one, you know, one movie. I'm not sure if it should have been a franchise, but I say that and you and I were talking about the sequels and how this is like one of the rare franchises where there isn't really a dud in the franchise. Like all of the movies, all six of them are watchable and enjoyable and have things that you can really like out of all of them. The, the, the sequ- many of the sequels do have their flaws, but uh, I mean, there there's, it's hard to say that there's a bad screen movie. I think that they're all good in their own uh, perspective. Which is an achievement considering all the other franchises. Like, as much as everyone loves them, there are duds. And I can't really say that there are really any legit duds in the Scream franchise. Right, yeah. Possibly Scream 3, but, like, there's still, like, stuff to get enjoyment out of that. Like, it's still pretty campy and it's, like, really funny. And I feel like Scream 3 has had a little bit of a renaissance because I feel like I've lately I've seen more people coming to bat for Scream 3. And that like saying like they actually like really enjoy it and have it as like their second favorite movie out of the franchise. I mean, I would kind of agree. Mostly, you know, I wasn't that sold with Roman, Mm -hmm. but it's still a good movie. And plus, that was like the one that warned us about Harvey Weinstein. Right. Yeah. How ahead of its time was it? Yeah, it was. It has like this uh, really interesting kind of like pre Me Too, Me Too messaging in it. Uh, it's it's also kind of weird too because Harvey Weinstein produced the movie too, so it's either he just wasn't paying attention or he didn't think that they were talking about him or he just didn't felt care. So empowered and I'm yeah. untouchable. Yeah, exactly. Um, well. To pivot a little bit more into what we're talking about today, more specifically, we're talking about Scream 6 from this year, 2023. We are going to have, let's have like a little bit of a spoiler-free discussion for the people that haven't seen it yet, so we don't spoil anything for that. And then once the thunder comes, we will transition into nitty-gritty details and spoil all sorts of stuff. But uh, for as of right now, if you haven't seen Scream 6, you are, you are safe. Um, as of yesterday, March 19th, uh, Scream 6 has a worldwide box office of $116 million, which is crazy. I think that this is scheduled to surpass Scream 5 uh, box office wise. Um, and I have to say, I enjoyed this one more than Scream 5. Um, James Michael, where do you land on Scream 6? Did you, did you like it? Did you hate it? Where are you at on it? So I was obsessed with Scream 5. I thought Scream 5 was super great. Um, having a little bit of time to just like take a nap with it and really just bask in it. I don't think it's as great as I thought it was originally. It's still awesome. And then when it comes to Scream 6, right now I think Scream 6 is awesome. I think it's great. I had such a good time. It was 
lots of fun. Um, will I feel the same way about it once we're watching Scream 7 and I have like a little time to just sit with it? I'm not sure. I think that's the real question because I think it's great as of now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a very similar kind of arc <laughs> with Scream 5 as you did. I was head over heels for that movie coming out of theaters. But I think my issue with it was it, I, I rewatched it recently right before seeing Scream 6. And I noticed that it wasn't it doesn't hold up super well on rewatch because it's it's very rewarding as a first watch. And as a first watch, as a huge horror fan, that's like into all of the other not just like into horror, but you're also into like horror content creators and things like that. And the movie is Scream 5 is very rewarding for people like that. But once the that's those sort of elements are known and no, no longer kind of like a nice surprise or whatever there's not a whole lot of like set pieces in scream five to really sink your teeth into and as something that scream six um i think improved on there's lots of really good set pieces in this i really dig the new cast the new setting in new york i think it's really good it was kind of like all these things just injected some new life into the franchise and i found it like really rewarding and i can tell you right now I want to like go and pay money to go watch this again. And I did not have that same feeling after coming out of Scream Five. Um and I I I just really, really, really want to go see this again because there's so many cool moments in this movie. I just want to relive. I think the big question that a lot of people are worried about, and this isn't like spoiler or anything, is you know, the lack of Sydney. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it in Scream Five, Sydney was basically an afterthought. And I think they did a really good job with in Scream 6 not having her in there. It didn't feel like it was such a big deal. As much as I love Sydney, I was okay with her not being in Scream 6. Same here. And I think it um I think it's because of the new setting as well. If this was in Woodsboro, I think it would be more glaring that Sydney isn't in it. But since this is in New York, um, it feels okay to just be hanging out with these this new cast. And honestly, I think going forward, you know, if they do make new screen movies, I don't think that we need any like r- uh, returning characters uh, at all uh, to, to come back Gail or anything. kind of makes a little sense, mostly because she's a reporter and she's out to make a book. She wants to write her book. So she would put her nose, you know, sniff around to find Ghostface. But Sydney, why would she come back? Right. Yeah, exactly. So, and honestly, I really like the cast here. I mean, I thought that one of the bigger improvements was the character of Sam, Sam Carpenter. She was a much Poor stronger thing. protagonist in this. She was wrecked in Scream 5, but I honestly don't think that was her fault. I thought, you know, she was underutilized in 5, and in 6 she had room to breathe, and she felt like a much more real character without the whole silly mental illness trope thing. Um, but I thought she did a much better job in six than she did in five. And I don't think her doing a bad job in five was her fault. Mm-hmm. I-, I completely agree. And she was so good in this. Like she is a very cool final girl to like kind of get behind now, I think, uh, especially after this movie. Um, the, the kills in this were really good. If people are interested in that, um, this movie is tense. It's stressful at times. Um, the characters are 
smart. Uh, some of them are smart. Some of them are dumb. You know, you have a good mix, but uh, and it, it did have some good humor in it and everything. It has what you want in a screen movie, but also with with surprises to to kind of keep you guessing and keeping it fresh. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what, what was your experience? What was your theater experience like? Did you have a pack house, packed house with lots of people uh, reacting to it? So I've seen it twice. I'm planning on. I was maybe possibly going to go see it yesterday again to prepare for this. Um, but the first time I saw it, I got to see it at an advanced screening in New York that was packed, and um, it was a really good time. I had no idea that there was a post credit scene. So if that matters to your audience and they haven't seen it yet. I mean, it's not really that important, but make sure you sit there until the very end. The second time I saw it was the Friday it came out, and it was a pack scene, and people were rowdy AF. <laughs> um, I, I'm the type that I like my movies to be silent. I don't want any distractions because I'm super easy, I'm very easily distracted, and any little thing takes me out of it. So I'm glad I got to see it in a theater where people were super, you know, intent on observing it. Um, so it wasn't that big of a deal for me the second time. How about you? How was your viewing? Um, so uh, you and you, you, we are on like the same wavelength for so many things, you know, I like uh, kind of like a quiet theater to it's okay. You know, people to like cheer and stuff like that, but like, I can't do, I can't stand like the talkers and the people on their phones and things like that. So to avoid an experience I had similar to when I tried to go see Megan, I waited a week. So I saw it on a Sunday at 12 o'clock and I went to a smaller town over to go see it as well. And it was just me, my wife, and like five other people in the theater and everybody was quiet. It was great. One person did rip ass halfway through and it was kind of funny, <laughs> but um, it, it was great. And uh, it was just... I had a, had, a, had a really good time with it. I was happy. I was able to like kind of just focus and uh, almost watch it by ourselves, which was great. Um, yeah. I, now that I've seen it, I will, I would like to try to see if I could like find like a pack more packed uh, theater to watch it in just for like the, you know, the laughs and the screams and things like that, that you'll get from it. But um, yeah, I, I had a much better experience. Than I did when, when I tried to go see Megan, um, but I mean, I don't blame you. I would have lost my mind too. There's, there's, there's a balance. Like it's okay as a communal experience to cheer and laugh and cry and get a little rowdy with the scenes of the movie. But when it's people that are just on their phone, having a conversation on their own and they're mm -hmm. just detracting from the experience, like that's totally unacceptable. Throw them out, burn yeah. them at the stake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, th those people should be, uh, in jail. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I, th I think besides, you know, the things that we've kind of said, I, I think that this movie does improve on screen five. The cast is really good. I felt more connected to them in this one. Um, the biggest surprise to me was the runtime was insanely long, but it didn't feel that way at all. Like I felt like it really earned it's two plus hour long runtime. I didn't feel that it was long. Unlike Skinamarink. <laughs> unlike Skinamarink. But Scream, like, it felt like a breeze. I thought it earned its runtime. Mm -hmm. The pacing was really good. That's something that I noticed in that. that the pacing was really good. And like I said, there's actual like set pieces in this. And you could kind of 
follow a line of like the the separate set pieces and it's it's a really it's really good structure to this um and i will say that like i guess so i said there's like 100 percent positive some of my gripes is and we'll talk about it when we get are we going to oh okay yeah we're going to spoilers not 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 right this second but i think one of my gripes was that like the kills were really good except when they weren't (laughs) uh there were uh some some characters had plot armor and which was kind of annoying beyond plot armor some of them yeah yeah beyond plot armor and it was it's because like this is like a this is a vicious ghost face that we get in this one Similar to Scream 5's, the Scream 5 ghost face was very violent. And this is probably the most violent Scream I think that's been out, which is great. You know, like, give me all the gnarly stuff. I love it. But it's, like, kind of inconsistent when Ghostface is brutally killing people and, like, getting the job done, but then also not. <laughs> there were the some moments for me that Ghostface, and I know you're not a fan, felt like a Rob Zombie Michael Myers, like berserker mode, manhandle, murder, like curb stomp. He yeah. was just OP in some scenes. Yeah. Yeah, he was. Super mean. I loved it. He was great. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I'm i not knocking it for being brutal. I'm knocking it for not being like it not playing by its own rules. Like it them being brutal to some characters and them dying and then them having the same, if not more brutality to others. And then somehow plot armor just comes in. Um, but I mean, it's a screen movie. Dewey always somehow survived being stabbed in the back or in the gut. So, and I don't know how in scream five, how Tara survived the opening sequence in that I, I i have no idea how she survived that so Did i guess there's precedence for it they kept the scar in her hand yeah that was a good detail i was surprised when i noticed that yeah that was good i, I it immediately made me go whose job is it to keep up with the continuity like i'm yeah. assuming there's like continuity person that they have i don't know i mean considering i try to do like the like the math like i know they mentioned that they moved to new york what was it? Six months ago. Yeah. So like they're in th- this movie is only a year. On Halloween. Mm-hmm. They moved there over summer. Right. Cause they're, cause this is like their first semester in college. So it seemed like scream also took place when like, in, I mean, scream five took place in like spring. It must've, I can't, I can't like recall. And it must have, no, it must have been like first semester of high school because Chad talked about football practice and that's like Uh, a fall sport. I mean, in California, it doesn't really have seasons, so. True, but yeah, they'll still follow that. It's kind of hard to figure out when based Mm -hmm. on trees. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But they do say it's a year later, I believe, um, in that. Um, because they're, uh, they, they, they talk about the past in this movie. Um, yeah. and they do what they do. The, the writers are doing their best to try to connect it to the other movies, which we'll talk about in a spoiler part of it, whether or not it was successful in trying to connect to the other movies, but, uh, it was at least interesting. Well, do you have anything else to say, uh, spoiler free before getting into the spoiler talk? 
yeah. What did you think about Kirby? Kirby is in this, and she she was cool. Uh, I liked her in this. I m- maybe wanted a bit more, but like the usage we got was still good. How crazy is it that this is the first time I think Hayden Panettiere has acted? She didn't even have an agent when they try to get her for this role. Oh, really? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, I think she's been trying to kind of just do some self-help and kind of take care of herself. Yeah, I think she did a pretty good job. She definitely, after I I just watched Scream 4, so I wanted to see if she kind of like maintains the same character. And I think she did. She brought, she channeled Kirby from Scream 4. She did Mm -hmm. a good job. Yeah, and they do some really cute moments with her with because that's something I kind of forgot about Scream 4 is that how she is, she's kind of like a Randy and that, you know, she's like a huge horror film person and just film nerd. And she, she's kind of, you know, that person in it. So it was kind of cool seeing her interact with Mindy. Uh, the, yeah. Yeah. With Mindy Minx in this. Um, so that was cool to kind of see them have like a, uh, you know, minor spoiler, have like a nerd off. Yeah. Uh, about horror films that was cool i'm glad they gave that to us because we definitely needed it i know i've seen several people on twitter like want it so bad mm-hmm. we, do, we do get it thank god yes i think the last thing i'll say before we get into the next uh the second half of this of this discussion is that you did mention that this movie does take place over halloween weekend and i love that uh it, it kind of it was kind of cool dress uh setting for for the movie just you know Halloween kind of being the theme in it, but also it now kind of makes Scream 6 a kind of like a October viewing now too because of that. And uh, I don't know. True. I'm, ex- I'm excited to, to catch right. this at Halloween now. This would make for a really fun Halloween movie. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really th- would. It was a lot of fun seeing all the different like horror icons in the movie. Like mm-hmm. tons of, of them. Eggs. Tons of them. Yeah, it was great. And just like how in Scream 5, there were some Easter eggs to Dead Meat, the very popular uh, YouTube channel and horror podcast. Um, one of my favorite podcasts had a, a call out in this movie, which is We Hate Movies. I don't know if you listen to them, but um, they're like one of my favorite podcasts out there. And the you, you see a poster of We Hate Movies somewhere in this movie. And I love that. I thought it was in which they're also based in New York. So that was cool. Also, last podcast on the left gets. I did see that. I, I mean, I love them, so it was great seeing the shout out there. Mm-hmm. It's cool because, like, again, I feel like people got to remind themselves that the the writers and the directors of this came from YouTube. They were, you know, they made content on YouTube. They made like short films on YouTube for years, and then they eventually crossed a bridge into filmmaking and did Ready or Not, and then got a hold of scream so it's it's pretty cool seeing them kind of pay tribute a little bit to like other like content creators uh one day one day we'll we'll be famous enough to where somebody's paying tribute to us right (laughs) one day one One day day. all i want is to have a cult in my honor (laughs) (laughs) burning effigies before an image of me so your writers don't do that already some of them do Alrighty, um, so I think it's safe to, safe to say that both of us would highly recommend people to go check out Scream 6 if you haven't already. Um, check it out in the theaters if you can, but um, definitely when it comes out on VOD, if you haven't seen it, check it out. But um, 
and you do need to see the other movies before seeing this because apparently there's a lot of younger people going to these movies that went 100% blind not seeing any of the original movies and then being super confused you do need to see the other five movies to get into this i feel like that that's a psa that shouldn't be a psa but you know just so people know who shows up to scream six not having seen any of the other ones i don't know but apparently i was apparently tons of younger people are which is great that they're getting into the franchise but like they're not they will be missing like over 50 percent of stuff in this yeah yeah Alrighty, well, let's, well, we're going ahead and play the thunder, and then once we're back from that, it will be spoiler town. So you have been warned. All right, James Michael, getting into the spoilers of Scream Six. Um, I feel like we got to start with the opening of this movie. the The opening sequence for this was extremely unique to the franchise um we kind of get a fake out it's almost kind of like the scream 4 opening where it's like kind of like all of these fake outs with the stab movies but it's like we do get a real kill and then we get the, we get a ghost face reveal and then that guy gets killed so it was kind of like this cool sort of um uh where it's like it's that russian doll thing it's like, like a, a killer within a killer uh, in the opening sequence uh wh- wh- what did you think of it I wasn't that much of a fan of the opening. Really? Okay. Mostly because I was very excited to see Samara Weaving, who I thought was going to be the killer. (laughs) And she does such a good job of being like this mousy film professor. And she dies like right away. And I don't feel like her death was. It it felt very meh to me. And I kind of didn't like that we right away got the killer reveal and then we right away go into you know the real phone call Mm -hmm. so i don't think it was the gotcha moment at least for me that they were hoping for i just felt like samara weaving was such a untapped resource i wanted to see so much more of her like she she has so much potential and it just felt kind of eh. i don't know what did you think I think everything you're feeling is purposeful because, you know, it's, you know, it's common practice in these movies to pick a big star, put them out in the opening and be like, you think we're going to be in the rest of the movie? Nope, we're killing them right now. Um, So it felt very on par in that. um, I got to say the, it it, it just, it just shook me. Like I was seriously, was like, I have no idea what the fuck to expect now from the rest of this movie because um, when Ghostface does his final blow to kill her that's normally when the title card comes in but you know it just keeps going you see the blood come over the mask i was like oh shit we're not done we're still going and i'll say up until that point i was kind of like you i was like oh this is kind of mid just you know a phone call in a bar loser lures her to an alley very predictable but i like that it didn't end there and it kept going because then it kind of like satisfied I guess whatever need I, I I had for it to keep going and to like show me a little bit more. Um, and I did like though that they revealed him and then we kind of just like watch him walk home and we see him interact with like 
Tara and her friend group and everything. And I was thinking, oh shit, so is this movie going to be, we know who Ghostface is and we're just like waiting for them to figure it out the whole movie. And like, that's new and interesting, but no, they, they do go ahead and kill him off. I thought the same thing. Like we were going to spend the whole movie knowing his identity and like being worried for the characters, thinking that he was going to strike at any moment. Mm -hmm. And then of course his phone rings, but I don't know. I just, I love Samara weaving so much. (laughs) And I just thought, I know like the whole scream thing, like kill the big name first, but I don't know. It just didn't land for me. I got to say it was cool that she was a film teacher or film professor in this and everything. But it's also kind of one of the things I didn't like about this movie is that it, there was no like real college aspect of it. You know, it was kind of just like character details. Like, Oh yeah, we're all like college students and we like, we're in a film class together and our professor got killed. But like, I was kind of hoping to have something akin to like what we had to scream to like them in, in class together talking about movies or just even them like in a classroom at some point or whatever, like having some sort of chasing on the campus or something would have been cool and interesting. I I wish we had more of the college stuff in this. Yeah. It was, I was very surprised not to fast forward that much, but Mm -hmm. um, when he finds the body in the refrigerator, that, that part, like, surprised me because i i don't think we've really seen that level of like gore in a scream movie yeah no we haven't seen like body parts be chopped off i mean like casey beckard in the first movie is pretty gruesome with like her being disemboweled and same thing for steve but yeah no this is the first time we've seen like somebody that's pretty grisly for a scream movie Mm -hmm. which i think set the tone because some of the kills later on are pretty brutal Yes, they are. The kills the kills were very brutal and just violent in this. Um but yeah, and so I just kind of want to talk about the the opening sequence there for, for a little bit because, you know, that's it's a staple of Scream and this felt like such a unique one and honestly, I don't know how they're going to top it for Scream 7. I mean, I don't I don't think they can cuz they did something that they've never really done before. Yeah. So like I don't they, know how for Scream I don't know what they're going to do for Scream Seven. I feel like that they I feel like that they've painted themselves into a creative corner. Like, oh shit, we've been too creative now. We can't we can't just revert back to simple phone calls. So is it is it safe to say like who you think was wearing the ghost face mask for the opening kill? Like or can we get into that all right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I'm constantly playing that in my mind after I see the movie. Yeah, so I I didn't have an idea, of course, like in the opening, because we haven't like met characters yet, really. But after we got our suspect lists, um I it I I called it I called the motive in the person when the cop, the I forget his name, but the, the main cop that is the killer in this movie, when he it's after Quinn has died and he comes out and um he like calls them later and says that like he's been taken off the case, but he's going to help them. Uh, I just found that super suspicious. And like Quinn, I remember Quinn had like a little note drop earlier that their brother died, but like they didn't explore that at all. I was like, Oh, he was probably a victim from the first movie. We just don't know it yet. 
And I don't know, the start, the dots started to connect for me once he said that he was going to be working the case for them. I was always suspicious of Detective Bailey, probably from the moment Sydney was taken in. There was just something off about him. Yeah. He definitely gave me, like, Mrs. Loomis vibes. <laughs> the other two I was completely, like, surprised by. And there was a moment where I really thought it was Kirby for a split second. Me too. I, I did as well. And I think, like, I'm a dumb dumb for even, like, thinking it because I'm sure they did it intentionally. But what a cool final scene if it was Kirby. Yeah, that would have been that would have been really cool uh, if it was Kirby. I kind of I, I I'm waiting for a horror movie. It probably already exists, for, but for where it's one of the main cast members just turns and like they snap and they they are the the slasher villain in it. I'm I'm waiting for that. And I mean, Sam might be our best chance of something like that happening because she does have that killer instinct. Imagine if we get a screen movie where it's Sam versus Sydney. As the final send off. That would be insane. It, I don't think they'll much... ever give us that. Unless it goes like full Halloween or something, I don't think we'll ever get that. Yeah, I don't think so either. But that would be cool, I think. And I'm not sure who would win. I mean, I want to say Sydney, but I mean, Sam is fucking brutal in this. And I got to say, when she was killing people in this movie, when she was, you know, attacking the ghost faces that were after her. She was a badass. She was really awesome in this. Um, I just loved her survival and killer instincts just kicking in in the third act in this. Um, I thought she was super cool. Yeah, she she has like she definitely has that killer instinct. Like you said, she almost is like a Batman <laughs> in the final scene. She's badass. Like I want to see more of her, but I want her to be a little bit more predatory towards the ghost faces in the future. Like, you know how Sydney towards the end it in the franchise, she's like this badass that is brawling. Why not? Let's see that from Sam. I would love to see that. Yeah, I would too. Um, I also wonder like if we'll see anything from Tara because Tara, we saw her stab uh, Ethan in the, like in the mouth kind of, and she like twisted the blade or whatever. Um, that was pretty brutal and like kind of also maybe like a little over the top for someone like her to do. Um, so I'm wondering <laughs> if we'll also see like anything come out of her. I think her line was now die a virgin. Yeah. So good. <laughs> so good. It is. Yeah, it was so good. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, the, 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 I mean, we're talking about kills, stabbing and everything. Uh, did, did you have a favorite kill from this movie? Um, if you need to think, I have one ready. Yeah, you go first. So, I my favorite. So this my favorite kill kind of ties into my favorite set piece and sequence of the movie, which was when Ghostface is actually in the Carpenter's apartment and they don't know it, and he kills Quinn, but it ends up being fake, which was like a cool fake out. Um, and uh. It's when they're using the ladder to go across the apartments and Ghostface uh, knocks. So uh, is, it, is it Annika? I think was her name. Uh, right he, off the ladder. Yes. And just like head, head, face, neck snap on, on the dumpster. Um, it was emotional. It was brutal. You're very much just like kind of screaming like, oh, at the TV to hurry up and everything. Um, 
it was it was great um the the whole sequence with him in the apartment was fantastic i thought that kill kind of was the beginning for me of there's a lot of like suspension of disbelief required here because that poor <laughs> girl gets like stabbed and lifted off the ground i think he basically fillets her and mm-hmm. she still has enough like hp in her <laughs> to like crawl into the other room and attempt crawling across the ladder and we see this though with several characters at this point that they can just handle a barrage of stabs no problem and act like everything's okay yeah uh yeah th- that is one of the gripes i was kind of talking about at the the first half of this conversation i mean i mean gail should have died chad absolutely should have died um I mean, don't get me wrong. I like those characters and I'm happy they're here, but I mean, fucking Chad's fake death was Listen, Chad got altered by two ghost faces at the same time. Yeah. And he was Terrifying. left for dead, but somehow he's fine. And Mindy, who was also gutted like a fish is running at the end of the movie. Like everything's okay. Just blaming painkillers. <laughs> As yeah. much as I love them all, I don't want any of them to die. It just seems very cheap that they didn't. Gail as well. I love Gail. I I had candles burning for Gail. <laughs> this should have been her send off. Especially been. when she says, "Tell Sydney he'd never got me." Like it would have just been perfect. Yeah, yeah, it would have. I mean, I, I mean, not not gonna lie, I got a little teary eyed when I thought Gail was going to die. Because, you know, they, they definitely make you think she is. And then, you know, they have a paramedic coming in and saying, you know, there's a faint, there's a faint uh, heart, or there's a faint pulse. That's it. And I was like, okay. But, I mean, still, it, it really like, weakens the commit. stakes in those scenes. Yeah, commit. Like, if you're going to make us go through that, I'm not saying I want any of them to die. Because I don't. I like them all. I think they're all great characters. But if they're going to go through that, I mean... Was it for nothing? Like, yeah. Especially with the whole Scream 2 parallel, like Mindy as the Meeks of Scream 2 and Scream 6. Like, mm-hmm. someone should have died. One of the twins, especially Chad, like after what we saw. Yeah. Like, look, at, look at Tara, who is this little tiny thing. Mm-hmm. She gets really beat up and somehow she's still brawling at the end. <laughs> yeah, I don't she gets stabbed in the back, but she is still fighting as if nothing happened. Um, you know, at least like Kirby who got bashed in the head off screen but is bloody. She's like woozy, you know. She's kind of stumbling a little bit. Um, and then, you know, if they did commit to killing Chad, that probably would have been my favorite kill of the movie because like it was so goddamn brutal. Like just seeing the two ghost faces just like just go in just stab, stab, stab into his chest and abdomen. And then they do the the unison blade wipe together afterwards. Um yeah, bone so, chilling. So good. And like right after their their first kiss between him and Tara. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't want him to die. I don't want I want to be very clear. Don't come right. for me. It just felt like <laughs> they needed to commit to someone. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. They really did. And it sucks that they didn't. And it's also like, I feel like it's the Marvel vacation of stuff, even seeping into horror franchises. Like they need to leave 
at least one legacy character to come back in the next movie to keep people coming because you know they killed off Dewey and I guess like they're not sure if they'll be able to convince Nev Campbell to come back again. So like, all right, we got to keep one one of them alive to keep people coming to the theaters. So that that's what it felt like to me. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um. But uh, did did that ring any bells for you for for kills that that stood out to you? I would probably have to say the the latter as well. A part of me keeps going back to the therapist, but it doesn't. The therapist feels like the least ghost facey kill. Mm-hmm. In the yeah, movie, that was very much like a Michael Myers kill. Yeah. Um, the ladder scene was just so good. Like the whole the whole chase sequence there, leading to the ladder, was just Chef's kiss. It was perfectly <laughs> done. Especially like with the boyfriend across like the apartment, it felt very New Yorky to me. Oh yeah, yeah. I I really like that too. Did, did, okay, so for someone that uh, you know lives up, uh, you live in New Jersey, correct? Yeah, I'm I like right across the street, though. Okay, so like, like, did this feel because this was filmed in Montreal? Did it feel like you know the big city? Some parts did, and some parts didn't. Like, I feel that it was very unbelievable that they were living in this very large apartment. And yes, they do say that Sam is working two jobs to afford rent. It just very nice and very large. Mm -hmm. Then it makes sense for like an apartment with three people. No, because I I've, I know people that like live in closets, <laughs> <laughs> and they're paying like three thousand something a month, and it's not even like a nice place. So uh, maybe maybe they're all living like off campus, but still like campus like college owned dorms. I'm not sure. Other than that, I thought the the subway scene was great, very well done. The bodega for sure. Mm, the bodega um, scene if, was if good. That was real though the bodega owner would have murdered the fuck out of Ghostface. <laughs> <laughs> Ghostface would not have stood a chance. Right. Yeah. Ghostface meet bodega owner. Yeah. Um, the, the bodega sequence was actually pretty good in this. I thought, um, did it was... you catch that? They almost edited the trailer a little bit to make it seem like Ghostface disappears. Yeah. Because I rewatched the movie, I got to see the movie twice, and it's definitely different from what I remember in the trailer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I noticed a few things that they edited specifically for the trailer. Like there was like some people edited out of frames in certain segments, but yeah, the bodega. Because are you talking about like when right before the bodega shot, shoots him? Like, yeah, and he like just like wisps away. Yeah, yeah, he does his ghost facing. Yeah, <laughs> um, it was great. Also, like single-handedly shoots a shotgun with very little recoil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I can't see either Quinn or Ethan being able to do that. <laughs> no, maybe Detective Bailey, but definitely not the two ones, the two kids. Like, they're so little. Yeah, no. Yeah, th yeah they were they were very little. Um, and so, you know, we, we talked about some, like, some, there are, like, good sequences in this, and there are some chase scenes in this, which is an improvement from Screen 5. But something that I like, you know, something that I'm noticing between Scream 5 and 6, as opposed to like the other movies that were directed by uh, uh, Wes Craven, is that the these movies, you know, they really seem focused on the kill. Like, you know, get, like getting like good close ups of like the knife going in or just like multiple, multiple, multiple stabs to the victim. But it's 
like I know we just talked about like some like cool tense sequences, but like it's they still don't feel like huge developed chase scenes like what we get in the other movies where I feel like Wes Craven was like focusing so much more on like the chase and these movies is focusing on like the brutality of the actual kill, not so much of the build up to them. Well, I don't think they'll ever be able to top like Gail on the campus in the sound booth. Mm-hmm. That chase was just on another level. Um, I'm not sure. I know this one definitely felt a little bit cheap. Hmm. In, in what sense? Because the only real chase that I remember is going to be the apartment sequence. And then in act three, when they're running through that shrine, the altar. Right. Oh, wait. And the bodega. Okay. Yeah. But the, but, but the bodega is kind of a short chase scene. Cause they kind of just run into the bodega and then like crawl around a little bit. It's, it's not a very long sequence. Yeah. And then, well then there's also, so like, it, then there are like non chase chase scenes like Mindy on the subway it's not a chase scene, but it's it's doing a, a good job at like building tension and like trying to figure out like which ghost face is actually a murderer on the subway train and everything. Um, but yeah, it's not a chase scene really. And then I guess Gail in her apartment, but like, which was really good. Um, Gail in her apartment was actually another really good segment in this because they have that really funny joke of where she puts ghost face on hold. And then calls so him back. Good. That was so great. I I got that got a legitimate laugh out of me in the theater. <laughs> I mean, but she was so smart. Yeah, she she was the brains and the beauty, as she said. <laughs> <laughs> the sex appeal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's so good. I mean, what a perfect send off that would have been, right? Right. Yeah. Ugh, my goodness. Uh, and also, I found it while we're talking about the Gale chasing. I did find it a little bit unbelievable that. I guess they're supposed to be what we presume is Central Park and them to just like get in the car and drive up to her apartment real quick. I kind of found that pretty uh, unbelievable. (laughs) Well, in a way, in their defense, it was daytime, I think, in the park. And by the time they get there, it's night. Okay. So it did take them a while. What I find unbelievable is that they were able, Ghostface was able to like single handedly take down the boyfriend. Mm-hmm. but couldn't handle little tiny Gale. Right. I guess, is that a testament to Gale and her being like, I've been through five of these fucking movies. I know what I'm doing. Maybe. Yeah. She's like high level. Yeah, she is. It was stressful. Her not figuring out the combination to the gun lock though. Um, I, I feel like that's very relatable though. If you ever use one of those dumb touch screen things. Yeah. Like they're very, finicky yeah i it, it was it was it was a good chase scene and everything um i i don't know just in, in ghostface pointing this out is something i never thought about this but uh or thought about before but how she's actually never had a phone call with ghostface in any of the movies so it was kind of cool that ghostface i don't know how ghostface would know that though in this movie true but True. he says, hey, we've never actually spoken before. I thought that was weird. <laughs> but I don't know how they would know that. So the the weird thing to me is that clearly they build it up so that Richie is like this obsessed fan. Right. Okay. How would all of that info from Richie just translate over to his family 
after he dies. Like, did Detective Bailey just sit there just combing through all the evidence and studying and looking at all the items? And he must is that have. how he would have known? He must have. I mean, he must have been watching Richie's home movies or whatever that he was making that they were projecting at the end. And I mean, that's how Richie must have gotten. I, I see. I see. I had a hard time telling if the shrine was something Richie and his dad built together, or is that something that his dad built after Richie's death is like a in memoriam kind of thing. I I'm, I think that Richie built it. Okay. Because I think the dad was like, I did this with my son at some point during his like monologue. Mm-hmm. Like my son was weird, but we did this together. My but son also, was like, weird. <laughs> how, how much would all this shit cost? Like if you're paying off cops to get all this crazy ass evidence from a high profile murder, how much are you paying for all this contraband? Like it must've cost so much. Well, see, I also just wonder if it's just like a thing where like, is he actually paying people off or is he just like, is he just swapping it out with like other knives and like, they're just not noticing an evidence. Maybe. Yeah. Because technically, yeah, he was kind of from the Woodsboro area because he transferred to New York. Right. Yeah. So he yeah, could have had access to it. Yeah. And he, they also have like, he has this throwaway line, which didn't make sense to me about how they covered up Quinn's fake death. Is that he got like, he just a replaced her body. body. What? Is <laughs> he like, yeah, yeah. And I got also, there first. Think about it. During that whole apartment chase scene in the latter scene, Quinn is just laying there pretending to be dead the whole time. Yeah. That's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you can't really take apart these movies that much because then they start becoming silly. Right. But I will say it is cool that they did the whole fake out thing because it's kind of like that thing they did with Billy Loomis where like, you know, he went to pres- he went to jail and then a phone call still happened. So uh, it was kind of cool to see that. And it's now going to make me suspicious of anybody that gets killed off camera in future screen movies now, though, because now that there's a precedent of like, Maybe they weren't dead. Oh, it's also kind of like a callback to Roman from Scream 3, actually. Yeah. He faked his own death. Did you think it was Sam's boyfriend at any point? No. For some reason, I didn't suspect him because I feel like it would have been too obvious to do another love interest. And this, you could tell that this movie was very much kind of following the framework of Scream 2, where, you know, they're now in college. There is a boyfriend, but he's just a red herring. Um, and also, I was a little annoyed by the ghost face reveal at the end of this because, much like Scream 2, the whole third act takes place in a theater and it's just parental revenge for them killing their ghost face son in the previous movie. I felt that to be kind of weak, to be honest, but you know, it. There have been, I guess, worse ghost face reveals, but I don't know. I wasn't, I didn't feel super compelled by the ghost faces in this movie. I didn't think Detective Bailey was that good, but I did think he did a good job as giving unhinged Mrs. Loomis energy. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely Lori Metcalf um, uh, <laughs> on a bender kind of yeah. feel we get. I just wish that his son, Ethan, was in the movie more. Like, I wish that he was like a bigger. No, he doesn't even have to be like a big character. I just wish that he was around more. So that way, like that turn. Cause honestly, when they showed his face, I was like, who was that again? Like, I don't know. I, 
kind of forgot he was in the movie. Yeah, he was pretty useless. Yeah, but I think that was kind of his thing. He was like this weak, like virginal nobody. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just feel like it just weakens. I just feel like it just would have been better if and more surprising and more rewarding if he was like a more active character with, with the gang, you know? Um, yeah. Also, how, what's, what's like the age difference between all these kids that this guy has? He has three kids and they're all like in the same age group to be friends with all these people that are relatively the same age. Um, I don't know. That was so interesting. Sam says that Kirby was a senior when she was a freshman, right? Mm-hmm. So if we pretend that that came out, if she was the age she should have been when the movie came out, so what? She was like, she has to be in like her late twenties, early thirties. Yeah, I think she's. I mean, I know she says she as soon as she turned eighteen, she left. Or time out, Sam. As soon as she turned eighteen, she left and was gone for five years. But I don't know how old Tara was at the time. So I guess. I don't know if they're five years apart or more. Yeah, I'm not sure. I would think that they're old. They're like, there's much more of a time gap now. Yeah, I, I really don't know. It's it's hard to say. And then it's Plus, also like, who knows how old Richie was when they were dating. True, true. And then I guess you could like do the math with like Billy Loomis still had to be alive to conceive her. And oh, then, I didn't like, even think that. And then like go from there, which was what, like 26 years ago, 27 years ago. Yeah. She has to be like late twenties, early thirties. Well, no, yeah. definitely not like just late twenties. Yeah. Cause 96. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. 96. So, and that's assuming it was that year. Yeah. But yeah. Anyways, that's we're, we're doing between ancestry <laughs> history and trying to figure out the ages of these people. It doesn't Ford matter. 4D chess. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, I feel like that there's, there's so much more stuff to like sink your teeth into in this movie. Um, what'd you think of, of the shrine for, for Ghostface, the, the stab shrine in this? I thought it was super cool seeing all this stuff out. Like, and being able to pick out and recognize all the different things. The only thing I did not like that I thought was a little corny were the, the hand-drawn, like, sketches. Like, yeah. I, I have a hard time just seeing Richie sitting there penning them all out. Right? Right, like, yeah. No, that is that's kind of odd. But, like, it was kind of, I don't know, it was kind of cool. But like, I, I didn't think about who was actually doing the sketches. So, you're right. It is kind of weird to think richie doing it (laughs) it's cool to think though that these unassuming items are so iconic in our minds that we can pick them out like jill's shirt is just such a normal shirt yet you know that's jill's shirt Mm -hmm. yeah or and also like laurie metcalf's white uh suit Uh, that was just covered in blood there yeah yeah yeah, no, it, it, it was kind of cool. It was a cool, like, walk down memory lane and, like, getting into, like, the whole, like, franchise-ness of this because, you know, they, uh, during the whole, you know, these are the rules to survive a horror movie kind of moment that they have in this. Um, when Mindy is talking about how, you know, this is no longer a sequel or a requel, we're full-blown franchise. Um, the Again, I, I wish that this took place in, like, a classroom or it just felt so weird that it was just like out in the open, like at a park or something. 
I don't know. I, and, I wish that they, they, they stuck to the college theme more. And she sets the expectation that anyone can die and no one dies. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Anyone is fair game, yet really no one but the ghost faces were fair game. Yeah, exactly. And, and getting back to the ghost faces, I feel like I'm all over the place. Sorry, folks. But getting back to the ghost faces, I had... I thought it was cool that they were like leaving ghost face masks at like scenes of crimes and like leaving DNA of like prior ghost faces. But like the whole thing, like going back to Billy and everything, it just like didn't like add, add up to me a whole lot. It just, it kind of like their whole like sort of MO or their plan to like build back up to Tara. I'm sorry, not Tara, Sam it just kind of like fell apart for me at the end. I, I didn't really quite, quite get what they were getting at. Well, going like following up with the ending, the fact that Sam, while he's knocked out, just like runs off, puts on her dad's ghost face outfit <laughs> in the span of how many seconds. Yeah. And does like this full blown, like Batman styled execution <laughs> is crazy. Yeah, and the execution was so good, though. Like, she is just, she is so violent and just has just a ferocity and everything. Like, she is just. It, was, I, it felt cathartic, for sure. It felt cathartic. It also kind of felt, you also feel like, like she's like, this feels great, you know. Um, and even Tara was kind of like, yo, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> but it also, it's like, what are they going to do with this? Like, unless they're going to give us that, you know, Sydney versus Sam face off. Like, what is the point of this? What is the point of her indulging in this darkness? That Where is, is this going to lead us? That is a great point. Because, yeah, I'm, I find the Billy Loomis stuff with her and like the hallucinations that she has of him to be very interesting. I think it's a cool uh, layer to this character, a cool wrinkle, but yeah, I I don't know where they're going. I w- and this is why I wish that they spent more time with the therapist because I thought it would have been cool to have like some more sessions and like her talking about maybe like if she's like carrying this darkness or she like has like these urges or just like things like that and just to flesh that out a little bit more. Um, and then at the end, they kind of have that thing where she's holding on to a mask and you kind of get this quick moment of like, does she want to hold on to it? Does she just want to leave it? in the past like i don't know what a cool scene though like i remember seeing that in a trailer and it just felt so cinematic to see her grappling with the darkness and then leaving it behind a part of me is like how dare you like (laughs) wouldn't it be so cool to own an actual ghost face mask but also from her perspective she she wants to leave that darkness behind Mm -hmm. but will she be able to like I guess we'll see in Scream 7 whenever that comes out. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And like I'm now I'm like curious like you know like where they're going to go with this in Scream 7 because you know we've if they're following the the template of the original trilogy um Scream 7 much like Scream 3 might happen in Hollywood and be about making movies and and things like that. So like are they going to do that are they going to go full hollywood are they going to introduce like because you know we have the stab movies are they going to introduce 
their own stab movies in universe like like, did that make sense like what they've been through are they now going to make movies about those sam and taro yeah so and would they even still be called stab i don't know it's kind of confusing maybe why not i (laughs) if scream could get its you know 2022 requel why not stab (laughs) (laughs) instead of it being like stab six it would just be stab Mm -hmm. 2024 well well, in scream five they they talk about so when they have that uh clip of the the youtube clip of like those two it was james and chelsea from the chrome ghost face yeah because one of them has a line of like and you're just calling it stab we all know it's stab eight just call it stab eight don't just call it stab um so they've kind of like have touched on that with that but uh I don't know. I don't. Do they? Do they need? Shoot. Do we need to pitch them ideas for like a new stab franchise? Like, do they need to like do like an impale or something? Like something different. I mean, I I pretty much I feel like they do scour Twitter and they read <laughs> stuff. As toxic as the Scream fan base is, um, I definitely do think that they are aware of all of everyone's like input and complaints. So I wouldn't be surprised if they if we'd see something influenced by the internet. Mm. And in a way, like it makes sense for Scream that's so self-aware and meta to be taking cues from the internet. Right. That would be kind of cool though. If uh if they they just did like a crowdsourcing, you know, let's uh I don't know, let's do ha- hashtag, I don't know, I don't know what they give it the hashtag. Hashtag stab change to blank. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, but before we get, before we wrap things up and everything, um, I kind of do want to do a cabin in the woods trinket segment because the, the ghost face shrine does feel like a basement in the cabin in the woods. Cause there's so many trinkets in there to, to pick up. I mean, we have everything from the TV that killed Stu Mocker to like all the knives and everything. But, uh, did you see the exploding fax machine? Yes. That was that one really excited me. I don't know why, but seeing it just <laughs> made me smile. And that's why I'm so happy that like they called back to like all the other screen movies. I'm I'm glad that they're not just like ignoring stuff in this. Um but yeah, so like Cabin in the Woods trinket segment. Was, is there anything from this movie that you feel like would be a good uh trinket to put down in the basement of the Cabin in the Woods to summon the three or five headed ghost face. If you want to, if you want to count the two people that died at the beginning of the movie, I would have to say the popcorn machine. Wait, no, not the popcorn machine. What was the candy they picked up? Chad and Tara. Was it mounds? I think so. Was it mounds? Yeah. It's either a popcorn bucket or the mounds. It was definitely candy. It wasn't popcorn. Okay, so my vote is going to be the candy, just because shortly after they pick up the candy, Ghostface does show up. And it's so, like the most unassuming item there. Like, I could go with the Ghostface mask or any of the other items, but to me, it's going to be the 300-year-old candy. The 300-year-old candy. So your little trinket to tempt people to... It's the same thing as a creeper in a van. You can't candy for yeah. kids. That's what don't, you're doing. Don't pick up the theater candy. Don't do 
<laughs> don't don't trust don't trust people with candy, folks. Um, no, that's great. What would you pick? Oh, see, that's tough. Um, I wish that we actually saw like physical copies of Richie's like home footage. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think just because like, you know, we get the whole shrine. There's like, I don't want to <laughs> say like a ghost face outfit because that's too obvious. I have maybe two other ideas, maybe. Okay. The latter. Oh, that's a good one. Samantha Carpenter's files from the therapist's office. Oh, that's those. Those are really good. Okay, I, I don't think I could top that. I like the latter one a lot, and also the files are really good. I don't know. I like the candy too, just because, <laughs> like, what happens immediately afterwards? Just you know, it summons Ghostface. That's right? It. Yeah. Game no, over. That... Unless you're Chad, then you can just be stabbed a million times and survive. Ooh, maybe speaking of Chad, maybe like Chad's cowboy hat that he's wearing at the beginning of the uh, movie. Yeah. 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 I like that. That's funny. Um, fireball. Oh, fireball. Fireball's another one. Um, hmm. Trying to think. Uh, just a sign that says the core four. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I love the latter idea. And yeah, so um, I, th- I think I'm going to have to officially say the latter. Yeah, the ladder's a good one. Ladder and candy. What a weird combination. Um, before we wrap things up, was there anything else that you wanted to mention that you liked or didn't like about Scream 6? No, as a whole, like I thought it was such a good time. I really enjoyed it. I definitely recommend it. Um, well, I was going to say something, and I was like, oh, we're in spoiler territory anyway. What did you think about the post credit scene? Everyone made such a big deal about it. And then I went and saw it again and I was like, that's it. Yeah. It, <laughs> it's, it's such like a fuck you. It's, it's kind of funny. So the, the post credit scene is a, a quick three to four second clip of uh, Mindy Minks in, in the same shot of her explaining the rules of a, of a franchise movie and her just going, uh, not every movie needs an end credit sequence, and that's it. Um, I'm so glad they did that because I feel the same way. I hate that almost every movie has it nowadays. Me too. Like, I hate that I have to Google a movie just in case mm-hmm. because I don't want to miss out. And you know what? I, I never would have thought Scream would have done it. And then I left the theaters, and then I found that they had it. And I had to go back and see it again <laughs> for that. <laughs> Well, it got you. That, that, I mean, it worked. It, you know, it got it got another ticket in the seat. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I thought it was like a funny "fuck you" kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, James Michael, thank you so much for coming on today to discuss Scream Six from 2023. This has been a fun, rapid review. When this comes out on Blu-ray, maybe I'll have to do a full uh, horror uh, review of it. Maybe a kill grade of it would be really fun to do. Um, Definitely. I'll, that's something I would love to do is uh, I've done a kill grade of the first screen movie, but I would love to make my way through all of these doing kill grades of them and horror reviews. Of course. Um, where can people find you on the interwebs? So first I would ask you to follow horror press. So on Twitter and on Instagram, we're at horror press LLC on TikTok, We do put out tons of video on there. It's just at horror press. And if you want to follow me, I'm just at spooky deadline on Twitter. Awesome. And there will be links in the show notes to those accounts and horrorpress.com. It is an amazing website. Everybody be sure to go check it out. 
And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Brucker Horror. And you can also follow me on TikTok at Brucker Horror as well. Been doing some little videos on there. And um, yeah, be sure to like, subscribe, share with friends, with family. And I'll be sure to see you guys next time with an episode on the menu. That's something I forgot to say at the beginning of this. My uh, my order got all switched around. It's the same episodes that are coming out this batch, but I decided to do the Scream 6 episode ahead of it. But in two weeks, you'll get the episode for the menu. So uh, be sure to watch that on HBO Max if you have any. That was a very fun and long discussion Orlean and I had. So that's going to be fun to edit. But uh, <laughs> be sure to watch some good movies. See you guys next time. Bye. See you. Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Autopsy of a Horror Movie. It means so much to us that you choose us to listen to out of all the other podcasts that are out there. If you could please help us grow by following us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Brooker Horror, retweeting, sharing our episodes, and come check out the Patreon page. This is a passion project and we dedicate so much time and effort into it and it means so much to see other people enjoying the show just as much as we enjoy putting our uh, time into it so over on the patreon at patreon.com slash horror you can get bonus episodes bonus kill grades commentary tracks special topics voting options and also a private discord channel that you could be a part of and if you just want to join the non-private discord channel just hit me up on twitter or instagram at Brucker horror i'll be happy to uh, grow that flock All right, guys, thank you so much for listening and please share with friends.